Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, April 28th, 2023. So not since Rush Limbaugh has there been a more important person on TV, on the radio, than Tucker Carlson. Now, I'm not equating Tucker with Rush. I think just Rush was one of a kind that no one can touch. What a talented person Rush was. But since Rush passed away, Tucker has emerged as that person on TV. And he got kneecapped by Fox. He got kneecapped by Rupert Murdoch. Tucker was willing to talk about Ukraine, vaccines, the deep state, trans surgery on children. He even talked about UFOs. He was willing to talk about everything. But he was not afraid. That's why. The deep state, the media that we're living in, we're living with today, they have an agenda. It's copy-paste. You're going to talk about what we want, what corporations want, or you're going to get fired. And Tucker wasn't willing to do that. He was willing to just raise the question. A lot of times he had no opinion. He was just asking the question. But Rupert Murdoch and his liberal offspring kneecapped Tucker. Over 3 million viewers a night Tucker received. And because he was on the wrong side of the politics, on the wrong side of our uniparty, our corporate media, he's gone. And the important thing with Tucker to us and to MAGA is that there were a lot of Democrats and a lot of independents that watched him. You know, it wasn't like people that listened to Rush, you know, they were dyed in the wool red. It's not like people that listen to Bannon. They're already the converted. But but Tucker was able to reach out to independents and Democrats, a lot of viewers. And this is what you want in the upcoming 2024 election. Because you know the Democrats are going to come out strong. Uh, we're going to come out strong. And the difference in the election is going to be the independents and how many independents we can turn. And Tucker was on the cutting edge of turning those independents into red voters. And, and yeah, look, let's talk about Rupert Murdoch for a second at Fox. He's the head of Fox. And he had a bad few weeks. First of all, he settles a defamation suit with uh, Dominion for about $780 million. And then he fires Tucker Carlson, his number one guy that brings in the most money. And Fox News loses over $600 million in market capitalization right after Tucker's firing was announced. So what is that? Over a billion dollars that Rupert Murdoch has lost in two decisions. And what I've always said, it, these people are not capitalists. These people are oligarchs. It's not about capitalism to them. It's about retaining power. And they will throw as much money away as they need it to meet their political agenda in order to keep their power. It's because they got plenty of it. So people love to say, oh, the Russian oligarchs, the Ukrainian oligarchs. Well, these are our oligarchs. Bill Gates, Murdoch, and where's our capitalism? Now, it's been reported by Forbes magazine that Fox is still keeping 
Tucker under contract apparently has about two more years of his contract left and Fox continues to pay him and because they continue to pay him he can't do another show until after the election so isn't that cute timing Tucker will not be allowed to do a show until after the 2024 election how shrewd is that and how anti-democrat is that now I've heard Tucker has hired attorneys and quite frankly I, I don't know what the attorneys are charged with, but we'll soon find out. So with that said, let's go to a clip. And it's Tucker's first response since being fired. And with this clip, you'll see why Tucker is so dangerous to the deep state, corporate media, the system. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. Well, did you hear his comment about see you soon? Maybe that's why he hired the attorneys. Maybe he can negotiate getting out of this contract so we can get onto something bigger and better than Fox. And he will. Fox, quite frankly, has been an anchor for him. Now he can expand. Now he can really do what he wants and not worry about phone calls from Murdoch. And the other thing that just came to me, someone had sent me a text on this. I don't want to mention his name. I don't want to get him in trouble. It says here, and it's from Breitbart. And it says here, the insiders are saying that Fox is in a panic over this Tucker Carlson decision because they didn't anticipate the blowback that they're getting a lot of people are switching from fox news to newsmax newsmax has had a huge bump up in viewership since tucker left tucker's audience is down 50 percent since he left now let me just read some numbers here it says fox news viewership at 8 p.m eastern time tucker's last show on friday last friday 2.65 million on monday 
2.59 million. A lot of people were curious. Tuesday, 1.7 million. Wednesday, 1.33 million. And it's going to go down. And quite frankly, they're panicked at Fox. Again, because they're staffed by people that aren't bright people. Everything's great until it's not. And that's what you get when you got really, really dumb people in important positions, whether it's in corporations, whether it's in institutions, whether it's in government institutions. How could they not think there was going to be blowback by getting rid of Tucker? Only people that are dumb. And you got a lot of dumb people in Fox. And did I mention that 66 million people viewed Tucker's message? 66 million. I think within the first six hours that it was released. So like Donald Trump, you're only making Tucker Carlson bigger and stronger. Oh, did I mention that Rupert Murdoch does not want Trump to be president? He's all in for anybody but Trump. I think he was in for DeSantis for a while. He may, he may be in. So that's why you see a lot of spin with DeSantis on Fox. Now, Murdoch also owns the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal. So my recommendation to anyone listening is that read anything from the Post and the Wall Street Journal with a grain of salt. Because it's biased. It's anti-Trump. And did I recommend that people stop watching Fox. I, I personally have stopped watching Fox for about a year. Just part of corporate media. It really isn't doesn't have your interest at heart. Now look, there's a couple of good people on Fox. I think Gutfeld's funny. But you can take it. I don't want it. So we shall see. So it looks like Ford and a couple of other automakers are thinking about doing away with AM radio in their cars. And it recently came out that, for some reason, these automakers are saying, oh, AM radio is not needed. Now, has Ford gone woke? Because use AM radio to listen to various talk show hosts. And politically, until recently, the unwritten rule was that, well, well, the conservatives dominate radio, but the liberals uh, dominate TV, which isn't the truth anymore. Conservatives dominate radio, they got a good chunk of TV, and they dominate the internet. But whose brainchild was this at Ford to do away with this? Was there some woke character that knew that a lot of conservatives listened to AM radio? They said, ah, we're going to do away with that. But what they didn't realize is that in times of emergencies, government uses AM radio to contact people. And this is how shallow these people are that are in these positions. How could they decide to do away with corporate radio? Likely because of some political bent of someone in the bureaucracy, in the corporation bureaucracy at Ford. Let's do away with AM radio. But they don't have the mind or the detail to think, well, what are the repercussions of no AM radio? And it failed to say, that, look, there's an emergency function for AM radio because AM waves spreads wide and Particularly at night, it goes a long way. So, so we'll take a look at what the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, and FEMA have to say about this. If they're silent, or if they say yes to taking out AM radio, we, we know where they stand.
We know that the deep state's injecting themselves in the cars that we ride. So we shall see. So Crooked Joe formally announced this week that he's going to run for president, re-election. Our walking dead president that just shuffles around and is running for president. And here's just two more indicative examples that we've got a mentally incapacitated president. Did everyone see the, the cheat sheet he had with a press conference? On his podium where he's, he took two questions. Wow, two questions. I think it was the first two questions he took in months. But a photographer took a picture of him at the podium with a cheat sheet on the picture of the reporter and the question that the reporter was going to ask. And the reporter asked the question. It's all staged. It's all a show. It's a dog and pony show all the time with this presidency. Everything is staged. When have you ever heard of a president being given the name of the reporter to ask, the question that she's going to ask, and when to ask it? And Karin Jean-Pierre comes out and said, well, you know, it wasn't the exact question. Oh, yeah, it was. It was the same question. But what kind of reporter, what kind of person calls himself a journalist when he hands over his, que- his or her questions to the president's communication team for a press conference? That's not being a journalist. That's just being part of the show. And then the second thing is he had this uh, meeting with children. I'm talking about Joe Biden. He had this meeting with children. And I guess one of the children asked, well, where were you? When was your last trip? He couldn't remember. He was in Ireland, I think 10 days ago. He couldn't remember when he was. Little child had to give him the right answer. Yeah, you were in Ireland. He couldn't remember that. But the interesting thing is that this whole deal with Biden is just kind of bringing up the deep state and showing the deep state's role and the embedded bureaucracy in Washington's role as they want it to be. And let me just go to an article here. And it's uh, from a New York Times columnist. The columnist, David Leonard, and he's arguing that the country does not need a fully functioning president. Well, you know why? It's because the bureaucrats will take care of everything. The deep state will take everything. We need no stinking president. We'll do all the work. We'll make all the decisions. And it's funny how they're right in your face now because they're desperate, because they know they're losing. And think of what Tucker Carlson said early in this episode. So let me read a little bit. Says the Times' David Leonard in a newsletter on Wednesday Strange as it may sound, the American government can function without a healthy president. Leonard compares Biden, 80, to former President FDR during World War II, who had numerous health issues, but was still 20 years younger than Biden. And Roosevelt's health was up and down, up and down. At the end, he was incapacitated, but that was temporary. Truman then took over. Biden's been incapacitated mentally since he took office. In each case... White House aides, cabinet secretaries, and military leaders performed well despite the lack of fully engaged leader, Leonard argued. Yeah, we know no stinking president. We'll take over the show. And this is where we are with the deep state. They're rearing their heads. We'll take care of everything. It's our job. Just uh, elect any knucklehead, and we'll run the government. We'll make all the decisions. 
Who cares if it's anti-democratic? We're the deep state. And you know what Leonard forgets is the 25th Amendment. If a president is incapacitated, the 25th Amendment can be invoked. That's the constitutional way to take care of incapacitated presidents. Not to let unelected bureaucrats run the country and make important decisions. But again, these people are not democratic. They're Bolsheviks. Let a small group of people run the country. Unelected of people. Ah, you want to vote a figurehead in? Vote a figurehead in. But it's us that are going to run the country. And again, I find it funny how they're rearing their head right now. But again, they're desperate. Let's take a look at some polls. This is from uh, today's Real Clear Politics. And let's take a look at April 27th. That's yesterday, Thursday. 2024 Democratic presidential nomination. Fox News. Biden, 62. Kennedy, 19. Williamson, 9. So Kennedy went from 14% up to 19%. And here we have an Emerson poll. Biden, 70. Kennedy, 21. So RFK Jr. has gone from 14% to 21% in a week. That's pretty good. And apparently he's having some disturbing effect on the corporate media. Let me just read a tweet here from Dan Rather. You remember Dan Rather, the CBS News anchor, the CBS News correspondent that was caught faking news a number of years ago? Well, he put a tweet out today or yesterday about RFK Jr. And it says here, the press should be careful about covering Robert Kennedy Jr.'s quixotic run for president so not to amplify his dangerous conspiracy theories about vaccines. Corporate media doesn't agree with RFK Jr.'s position on vaccines, so ignore him. Doesn't matter what the people want to hear. It's what corporate media wants to hear. And what they're going to do to RFK Jr. in the primary, same thing that they do, that they did to Trump. They're going to attack him, ignore him, do everything that they can to undermine him. So it's going to be really interesting what happened with RFK Jr. Now, the other thing that people are looking at, and I think CNN was talking about this the other day, and it's a precarious situation because of uh, Biden's age. And again, I'm not sure that Biden's going to make it through into the, uh, the primary or through the primary. And one of the things you have to take a look at from an insider standpoint is what this investigation coming out of Delaware is going to result in in Hunter Bi- with Hunter Biden. I think it has to do with gun charge, IRS charges. So my position is take a look at that and you, it'll give you a general idea of how the deep state, the insiders, or at least a significant amount of them feel about Biden's run for president. I got a feeling that if they come down hard on Hunter, it's a signal that they're not happy with crooked Joe running. But if he gets a slap on the wrist, it's either a push or they're okay with it. So see what happens. Now, I heard a rumor that Hunter's attorneys were meeting with the Department of Justice. Maybe it was to, to talk about a plea bargain or whatever. But keep your eyes on that. Again, if it's a slap on the wrist, the deep state's with Biden. If it's not, they're not happy with Biden running. Now, the other thing I heard is that, you know, they, oh, this is going to be a, about Kamala Harris. Everybody knows that Biden is not going to make it through his second term. So 
it's got to be Kamala Harris, which really puts them in a precarious situation. Because I want to go back to the poll here. And it has to do with Trump running against Biden. And it has to do with Trump running against Harris. So let's just take a look at this one poll. This is from April 21st. It's on Real Clear Politics. And it says here that it's a Harvard-Harris poll. And Trump is beating Biden by five points, 45 to 40, while Trump is beating Harris by 10 points, 48 to 38. So you know that if they run as a team, people are going to have to take a look at Harris because she's most likely going to fill out the presidencies if something happens to Joe. So it puts the Democrats in a precarious situation. The only thing that they got going for it right now is that they can pull out a vote. They know how to pull out their vote. Take a look at what happened in Pennsylvania. They elected a stroke victim as senator in Pennsylvania. But again, what happens? This election is going to be won and lost right now. And it's with the operations in the swing states. The Republicans have to do what the Democrats do as as far as gathering mail-in votes, reaching out to people for mail-in votes, going after Democratic vote or Democrat voters, reach out for them, particularly in urban areas. You have to do this. Republicans have to go into these urban areas in these swing states and reach out. And the question is whether the RNC is going to do it. Because you know what? You got to get your hands dirty. You got to actually do physical work, hard work, grinding work. But my sense with the RNC is, ah, oh, we don't, that's below us. We don't want to go out and get out the vote operation. That's below us. Well, guess what? You're there because you're supposed to do that. And again, there better be operations right now. I think in New York, in New York City area, I think Curtis Lee, he's, he's a former candidate for mayor in New York. On the Republican side, he lost. But I think he's reaching out into Patterson, New Jersey, opening up, opening up a club to reach out to Democratic voters to get Republican voters in. This is what the RNC has to do in all the swing states. Pennsylvania, go into Philly, go into Pittsburgh, Georgia, go into Atlanta open up clubs, open up organizations. You have to do it now because this is when you make your contacts. This is when you get a structure in place. And this is the RNC's job. So we shall see. Okay, let me give you an update on the debt ceiling. So uh, Speaker McCarthy was able to uh, muster up enough votes to pass a resolution to increase the nation's debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion if uh, Biden and the Democrats are willing to cut $4.5 trillion in expenses. So he got it to pass. And a couple of things I wanted to point out is that in the resolution that cuts $4.5 trillion, uh, there is nothing in there that touches Social Security or uh, Medicare. So if the Democrats start telling you that, oh, they're going to cut Medicare, they're going to cut Social Security. Don't believe them. They're lying. They're misleading. So now the resolution goes to the House, and the House is controlled by the Democrats, and its leader is uh, Joe Biden, who sits in the White House. So even though the resolution has to go to the Senate next for their approval, um, this, this is really Joe Biden's negotiation because he controls what goes on 
with the Senate, uh, with the Democratic-controlled Senate. So we'll see what happens. You're going to hear a lot. They're going to, you know, again, I've seen reports also that the Democrats are out there saying, oh, we're going to default on our existing debt. And don't believe it. There's plenty of money that comes in that allows us to uh, pay our existing debt. Now, what they may have to do in the interim until this thing is resolved is they may have to furlough some workers. Nothing wrong with furloughing federal government workers. There's plenty of those around. We have to cut back on giving foreign aid to countries that don't like us. I got no problem with that. So those kind of things. But again, don't believe the Democrats when they say this is going to cause us to default on our debt. And these talking heads too on CNBC or Bloomberg, just don't believe them. You know, they like to use the term, well, it increases the probability of us defaulting on our debt. Well, that's not defaulting on our debt. Some guy shows up for work late that works in the Treasury Department. That could increase the probability of us defaulting on their debt. So, you know, it's all wordplay. It's all word jumble that these people play with. So I don't believe them. Um, all I can say is the Republicans should stick with McCarthy, but make sure he doesn't give away the House. So we shall see. Again, I'm quite pleased with McCarthy. Surprisingly pleased and hope he keeps up the good work. I want to talk how our border policy has resulted in the United States being intermediaries for child traffickers. And with that said, I wanted to go to a clip and it's by an HHS whistleblower. Her name is Tara Lee Rodas. And she's explaining to Congress how the existing policy that we have at the border has resulting in us just handing over children to people we really don't know and just who happen to be child traffickers who use them for work and sexual exploitation. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Today, children will work overnight shifts at slaughterhouses, factories, restaurants to pay their debts to smugglers and traffickers. Today, children will be sold for sex. Today, children will call a hotline to report they are being abused, neglected, and trafficked. And we don't know if they're going to get the help they need. For nearly a decade, unaccompanied children have been suffering in the shadows. And I have to confess, I knew nothing about their suffering until 2021 when I volunteered to help the Biden administration with the crisis at the southern border. As part of Operation Artemis, I was deployed to the Pomona Fairplex Emergency Intake Site in California to help HHS Office of Refugee Resettlement reunite children with sponsors in the United States. I thought I was going to help place children in loving homes. Instead, I discovered that children are being trafficked through a sophisticated network that begins with recruiting in home country, smuggling to the U.S. border, and ends when ORR delivers a child to a sponsor. Some sponsors are criminals and traffickers and members of transnational criminal organizations. Some sponsors view children as commodities and assets to be used for earning income. This is why we are witnessing an explosion of labor trafficking. Now, whether it's intentional or not, it could be argued that the United States government has become the middleman in a large-scale, multi-billion-dollar child trafficking operation that is run by bad actors seeking to profit off of the lives of children. 
You know, the first thing that came to my mind when I heard this is, remember when people were going apoplectic when the Trump administration decision to separate children from their parents to confirm that these are in fact actually their parents before they were released together. Remember the Democrats, oh, this is the worst thing you can do. This is terrible. You're so evil, Donald Trump, for having this policy. And all Trump's administration was trying to do is just to confirm, to make sure that, yeah, these are my kids. I'm not a trafficker. But instead, this is the policy that the Democrats want. They'd rather see kids being trafficked for work and sexual exploitation than to have some parents be an inconvenience for some time and have some heartache in order to have their kid protected. And this is why it's really important who you have in charge. And this is why no one trusts our institutions today because they're manned by people who are either incompetent or have evil intentions. Now, it's gotten to the point where even the New York Times several months ago did an article in their newspaper about children working in factories, slaughterhouses, textile mills, underage kids, and how they get away with it. And I blame the likes of Chamber of Commerce, Club for Growth. These are the organizations that lobby for open borders, more and more immigration that drives down the price of our existing labor here, because it's for the bottom line. That's all the Chamber of Commerce wants, the bottom line. Keep the kids coming. Cheap labor. Good for our bottom line. Good for Wall Street. Because it's all about the bottom line. We don't care where you get your labor. We don't care if they're 15 years old. We don't care if they're 12 years old. As long as they're cheap. And just a reminder about the Chamber of Commerce. um, If you get a chance, go uh, read uh, Molly Ball's article from Time Magazine. It came out about two months after the 2020 election. And it essentially said, yeah, we colluded, we cheated, and this is how we did it. And this is how we beat Donald Trump. And what she outlined, and she outlined uh, certain powerful organizations like the Chamber of Commerce, Planned Parenthood, Facebook, they essentially colluded and cheated Donald Trump out of the election. And I'm not sure if this is a coincidence, but several months after this article came out by Molly Ball, the president of the Chamber of Commerce quit. But this is the organization that we're talking about. The organization that was dead set against Donald Trump being reelected. And is likely against Donald Trump being elected in 2024. And with that said, I want to go to an article. This is from CNBC. And it says here, Chamber of Commerce gets nearly half of its funding from those who give at least $1 million. Says here, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce pitches itself as representing the interest of millions of businesses of all shapes and sizes. But lately, its funding has been largely fueled by donors who have given at least $1 million to the lobbying giant. According to new data studied, the Chamber's nonprofit organization raised just over $93 million in 2021 from donors who gave $1 million or more, according to a study which was produced by a watchdog group named Public Citizen. 
Just 1.4% of donations that year provided more than a quarter of the chamber's itemized contributions, according to the study. The business lobby group raised $197 million in total in 2021. The chamber, according to the study, brought in 18 contributions from those who donated anywhere from $2 million to $4 million. The data proves the chamber focuses more of its advocacy on big business and not necessarily small businesses, said Lisa Gilbert, executive vice president at Public Citizen. How many dry cleaners, pizzerias, or mom-and-pop shops can afford to give the chamber hundreds of thousands of dollars? It's not happening. Instead of representing the interests of Main Street, the chamber represents the interests of Silicon Valley and Wall Street. We expect its top donors are among a who's who of big tech and other highly consolidated industries. So there you have it. The interests of the Chamber of Commerce today, it's not about the pizzeria. It's about big business getting cheap labor. With kids. Is that what we want in this country? Well, I, I wish I could leave you on a higher note, but you have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday. Thanks for listening.